Good morning, everybody. I hope we'll all be able to have a little bit more freedom this week and start to re-engage with people in our workplaces and schools and colleges and get a chance to say hello to other parents at the school gate. Because, you know, disciples of Christ are always eager to start fires and that's so much easier to do face to face. You know, two weeks ago I asked you to think about um, completing this sentence. If it hadn't been for Jesus, I. I've heard this past week many powerful answers to that question which have shown me just how precious Jesus is in many of your lives. And I know that question clarifies what our why is when it comes to living on mission. What do I mean by that? Living on mission is living with an awareness of the people around you who don't know Jesus. And we all want to do a better job of being the warm campfire that people are drawn to to, to discover God because we know how God wants to bless and challenge their lives and we want this for our friends. I love this conversation that we filmed with two awesome young men. Watch and learn from Noah as he so naturally drew Zach towards the campfire of God's love. I didn't grow up in a Christian family, um, but I was lucky in a sense that I was sent to a Christian school. Um, so from there, I sort of, I learnt about God and sort of knew who he was. Um, but I, 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 would, I definitely didn't have a faith or a relationship with him. Um, but then, yeah, sort of um, being around um, people that were Christians and people like Noah, who then um, invited me along to youth um, and kept pestering me no matter how many times I wasn't available on a Friday night. Um, eventually, when I was free, um, it made Noah happy because then I actually went. Yeah. Um, then eventually went to Camp No Fear um, where I made the decision. Um, and from there, yes, I started attending church. Zach and I were such good friends at that point. Like we'd been friends for four or five years. We were so close and it, I just, you know, I felt comfortable talking to Zach about my life and my life involved church and youth. And I wanted him to be there for that as well as the other things that we did. So yeah, it was, for me, it wasn't, anything abnormal. I just, yeah, just wanted Zach to be there and just let him know what was going on. And like back before Zach was coming to church, I'm not sure if I looked at him and thought something was missing. I think I just thought that there's more. Yeah, I, I know that there's more. And I knew that Zach, he was already a great guy, but you know, everyone I think needs to know Jesus. So I think for me, it was just saying, I value you and I care about you and I just wanted for him to experience that. Well, Zach at 19 with Jesus has a great support group behind him, has great friends that he knows he can rely on and trust. Um, and yeah, has a great, just, yeah, just great community, has a relationship with um, God and I'm living my life trying to be more like him um, and um, loving people as much as I can, um, trying to improve myself. Zach at 19 without Jesus in his life would be not living a life where he's constantly trying to improve himself and trying to love others. 
Just going back to the era when I was um, constantly asking Zach to come along to youth, I think I was just asking pretty much most of my close friends at that stage. And I think, well, yeah, not everyone wants to come and that's all right. There were a few people that didn't really care. So I just, you know, moved on. But there, there were definitely some people that let me know that they weren't interested, but they accepted it. So, and they were constantly like asking and interested about youth for me. And I'm still friends with some of those people today and I still, you know, talk to them about it. So yeah, I think just it helped me to understand where my friendships were and where they were going, which is quite interesting when you think about it. It's definitely an interesting dynamic um, with our parents not being Christians. Both me and um, Crystal are very involved with church. Um, both, yeah, live our lives around church, obviously with Jesus. Obviously, mum and dad are always have always been very supportive of us in anything that we do. Um, but I think that they can see that this is more than just a hobby or other things we might be involved with in our life. Um, so I think even just, well, I hope that even just through that, um, God is working and, um, and yeah, topics sort of come up where they might um, ask specific things. Um, and yeah, Crystal and I try and um, answer to the best of our abilities um, and just hope that God can work his love through that. I'd say the best way to talk to your friends about your faith and about Jesus is often not actually talking about it. I think you need a base of strong friendship and relationship and respect because, you know, if you come into a group and just try and force something, it's you're just going to get shut down. So I think the best advice I'd have is just be real with those people and get to know them, show interest in them, and you can just start talking about it once, once you talk to each other about things that you're passionate about. Wisdom beyond their years, don't you think? Sharing Jesus in such a natural and authentic way. You know, last week, uh, Rick set out some really simple, practical and fun ways to get started. He talked about blessing people and eating with people. And we're talking in this series about five missional habits that we need to practice to get better at lighting fires. So what are missional habits? Well, they're different from spiritual habits. So let me explain. Being a disciple of Christ requires us to develop some spiritual habits to grow our relationship with God. And if you've been in a spiritual community for any time, you will know the importance of the habits of prayer, reading the Bible, regular worship, serving, giving. These are all spiritual habits that draw us towards God. But we need to add to these missional habits that send us out into the lost and broken world. And these missional habits that we're talking about form the acronym BELLS, B-E-L-L-S, and this was articulated by the Christian author Michael Frost. So uh, what are these habits? We bless people both inside and outside the church. We eat together, sharing meals with believers and non-believers alike. 
We listen to the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit as we engage with those around us. We learn Christ as our leader and model for making disciples. And we see ourselves as sent by God everywhere that life takes us. If we could just learn to combine these habits that send us out into the world with the habits that draw us up and in towards Christ, there is no limit to what we could do to grow God's kingdom. So how did you go practicing the habits that Rick spoke about last week, blessing people and eating with them? A funny story uh, in my life, uh, one of the things that I've um, started to really get a lot of joy out of is um, going through the Macca's drive-through to get my coffee. And uh, when I go through, I say to the girl, as I pay for my coffee, I say, I want to pay for the car behind me as well. And they always look at me and go, you sure? I say, yeah, of course. And I've done this quite a few times at the Seaford Maccas and at uh, the Karingal Maccas. But I was reading in um, Facebook, we have a Langwarren Locals Facebook site, and someone had put on there, I just want to say thank you to the person who went through the Langwarren Maccas and paid for, um, for my order. I, I, that really blessed me and I'll, I'll make sure that I pay that forward. And I mean, I don't know, but I wonder whether the person who went to that Macca's was somebody that I'd paid for in Karingal or Seaford and they felt like they wanted to bless somebody else. It makes me smile when I think of that possibility. Maybe this week we might be able to start eating with people again, especially those who are not yet part of the kingdom. But today I want to talk about the third habit of listening. And we're going to talk about two types of listening because when we add this habit to eating with people, we have a powerful tool for starting fires. I said in the introduction to this series that God is already gathering the kindling in the hearts of people in your world and you just need to light the match. But to do that well, we need to get better at listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a verse in, um, in the book of John where Jesus was talking to some of the uh, religious leaders of the time who he didn't uh, always get on very well with. And they were asking him how, how does he know who his followers are and he said this, my sheep recognise my voice. I know them and they follow me. There is story after story in the Bible of God speaking directly to his people as he appoints them to move his purposes along on the earth. He is a communicating God. But if you're like me, sometimes hearing him is like trying to discern the lyrics of a song on the sound system in a noisy coffee shop. But we can get better at hearing him, at recognising his voice. And fortunately... God speaks in a lot of different ways because he knows that we're pretty deaf. So firstly, we, we can hear his voice in the Bible. You know, we don't have to wait for God to tell us that it is a good thing to help someone find Jesus. He has already said that in his word clearly. 
We can hear his voice in circumstances that come our way because it's one of the ways that God is gathering the kindling. So when the neighbour you've been praying for comes across to borrow your motor mower, I would probably take that as the voice of God telling you to open the door of friendly communication. And we can hear his voice in the gentle promptings of the Holy Spirit, just dropping ideas and thoughts into our heads. And this is the one that gets better the more we trust and step out in faith. This kind of listening for the voice of Jesus is, is closely related to the second kind of listening, which is listening closely to your friend, to the thoughts that are maybe behind the words that your friend is saying to you. It's really learning to listen with one ear to God and the other ear to the real heart of your friend. Now, let's make this real with an example. Let's say, for instance, you're a young mum or a young dad. Um, now, my, my example is, is probably a, a girl's example, but I'm sure that you guys can contextualise it. You're a young mum and you meet um, a new parent at your kid's school. She seems a little shy, doesn't know the area. Now, you don't need a comment, a, a comment from God across the sky to tell you that you should do all you can to reach out to her. Have a conversation. Invite her to coffee. Talk, eat, laugh, get to know one another. Ask her lots of questions about her life. Be curious about her life. Love her. Now, the voice of the Holy Spirit might start to whisper some insights into your mind. Even though she appears to be happy, the inner promptings that you are hearing is that maybe not all is well in her marriage. So what do you do with that? Maybe uh, over a few more coffee dates, you can start to talk about your marriage and the issues that you have, because we all have them. Listen to how she responds. Ask God for wisdom and discernment and listen to his promptings. Maybe you feel you could move the conversation into deeper waters. I might say, you know, I might tell her about something that had happened in my marriage and I was so down at that time in my life. Have you ever felt like that? If she shares with you some sadness, maybe you can offer to pray for her. Tell her the story of how Jesus has made a difference in your life and how you cope with disappointment. You know, this could happen on your first coffee date or it could be 12 months into a friendship. But even the pace that you need to go with such a process must be guided by listening to what the Spirit is saying to you and listening carefully to the heart of your friend. Is she opening up to, to be able to hear what you want to say to her? I have to confess that I have some war stories of where I've pushed too hard or not moved quickly enough and lost some opportunities. But I would rather have some disappointing war stories than no stories at all. Listening to the spirit is a deliberate habit, habit that we can cultivate. It's so much easier for him to talk to someone who is open but if we don't choose to cultivate the habit of listening to the voice of the Spirit, we can quickly fall into sin. No, I'm, I'm not talking about sin like drunkenness or adultery. I'm talking about fear 
and laziness. And these are mission killers. They will put out a fire so quickly. We can be fearful of being persecuted if people know about our faith or we're fearful of causing offence to someone or, or fearful that we won't be able to answer questions that they might have. And we can be lazy. I know I can be. It's so much easier and cheaper to not reach out to bless and connect with people. Why should I offer myself to others when I have so much to do for myself? Fear and laziness will motivate us to come up with dozens of reasons why we can't or shouldn't open ourselves up to others. It's only the voice of the Holy Spirit that will stop us from shrinking back into our selfish impulses. We have to turn up the volume of the still, small voice of God and make sure it's the loudest voice in our heads. So let's talk about some practical skills. Firstly, how do you recognise someone that God is already working in? Remember I said uh, two weeks ago that God, anyone that's in your world could be someone that God is already preparing their, their hearts to hear about him. Well, here's, here's some thoughts. Obviously, they're in your world and they're happy to spare, spend time with you. They like you. They are interested in life and deepening their knowledge of it. They could be passionate about justice. People like that have a heart that's very close to God's. And they may be in some kind of pain or a time of transition. These are times when people's souls can be soft and they are looking for some answers. Secondly, how do you have these deep conversations? Well, I think we all start with the surface stuff. You know, what's your footy team? What hobbies do you have? What do you do for a job? But we don't often get the chance to go deeper. And it can, can be our choice to steer a conversation into deeper waters. I remember talking with a new friend and I felt led to ask her this question. What advice would, would your 60-year-old self give to your 20-year-old self? And she said, wow, never been asked a question like that before. And she loved thinking and talking about it. She loved that someone was interested enough to ask her that question. What other questions could we ask? We could ask about dreams and goals. Um, what were the good and bad things that in your family background? What are you passionate about? If you had a chance, what would you like to do over again? What are your challenges, your frustrations? Do you have any church background? Can I pray for you about the issue you're going through? But as we ask these questions, we're always listening. One ear to God, one ear to the person we are speaking to. And the third thing, how do you tell your story, your faith story? Because if your conversation moves into some deeper places and, and you feel your friend being drawn towards that campfire, you will get the chance to tell your story. Have you ever tried to write your faith story down in a short paragraph? Well, here's, 
Here's my challenge for you for this week. If you're in a life group, it could be something that you could do in your group. You need to make it authentic, short, and major on Christ. Just to give you an example, here's mine. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were not just churchgoers, but loved God and lived by the teachings of Jesus. Our home was not perfect, but I knew it was peaceful and flourishing, especially as I interacted with other families and saw there was a special vibe in my home. I was joyfully part of an active, healthy church, and I decided in my early teenage years that I had to choose this life for myself. And I was inspired by people who, knowing and following Jesus, had better lives and were better at life. As I grew, I was constantly curious to assess these beliefs against others, but I still found the story of Christ to be believable and beautiful and utterly compelling. I can honestly say that looking back on a lifetime of following Jesus, it has been an adventure. Has he shown me how to live for a purpose greater than my own happiness? He has never let me down. Well, that's something like my story that I would share with a friend and well, it's pretty boring, I think. What would yours be? Far more interesting, I'm sure. But, but don't be ashamed of your story that it's too boring or, or that you were too broken to even talk about your life before Jesus. Some of the most powerful fire starters I've ever seen in my life have been people who were so far from God that it is obvious that only a supernatural power could change them and that power was Jesus. If you've been through some stormy waters, God will use it to heal others and start fires in their souls. Henry Nowen called these people wounded healers, and they are powerful tools in the hands of the Holy Spirit. I want to read you a story I came across this week that I really loved. It's in a fantastic book called Whisper by Mark Batterson. If you're interested in a great book about learning to hear the voice of God, I can recommend it. In his book, A Mile Wide, Brandon Hatmaker shares the stories of his first trip to Ethiopia when he went to work with his friend Steve Fitch, who was the founder of Eden Projects. Deforestation has devastated parts of Ethiopia as generation after generation has stripped the forests bare, leaving the land barren. Eden is a reforestation effort with a vision to plant 100 million trees. By the time Brandon boarded the plane, he was having second thoughts about the trip. He had a fear of flying. He was leaving his family behind and he wondered what difference his going would make. Brandon was feeling bad about his attitude, so he closed his eyes and prayed, God, I'm sorry, I'm trying, but I just don't get it. I don't want to be on this plane. I feel like I'm wasting time and money. If this is important to you, will you please overcome my ignorance, doubt and blindness? Will you connect the dots and show me what I'm missing? Amen. No sooner had Brandon opened his eyes than the 30-something Ethiopian man sitting next to him asked why he was going to Ethiopia. Brandon could have given a, a few different answers, ranging from community to development to ministry. For some reason, he simply said he was going to plant trees. 
That's when the elderly woman sitting next to the Ethiopian man asked him a question in her language. And when he responded back to her, she literally began to wail. In fact, she stood up and started waving her hands in the air. That's pretty extreme on a plane. What's going on? Brandon asked. My mother asked me why you were going to Ethiopia, he said. Brandon responded, what did you tell her? He said, I told her you were going to plant trees. Brandon asked, what is she saying? That's when Brandon's seatmate revealed that his mother had been praying for 38 years that God would forgive her people for stripping their land. She also had been praying for him to send someone to plant trees. Before Brandon knew it was happening, this woman was laying her hands on his head and praying for him through her tears of joy. Can I remind you of a simple truth? You are the answer to someone else's prayer. Someone in your world is sending out a quiet prayer right now, maybe not even acknowledging that God exists. Listen, listen. Is the Holy Spirit calling you to be at least part of the answer to that prayer? It could all start with an invitation to a meal and could end up with the lighting of a match. A fire in someone's soul and in their heart which changes their world forever. What an adventure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us not only physical ears, but spiritual ears. But sometimes through our lack of practice, we, we just don't know how to hear your voice. Lord, will you help us? Will you speak so clearly to us that we can't help but hear? Will you open our ears? Will you help to, um, us to develop the practice, the habit of just spending some quiet time listening to your gentle promptings and give us the courage to act on them when we hear you? Help us to light fires. We ask this in your precious name. Amen.